This is the CQ University Australia podcast, where we talk to some of the university's interesting characters. Welcome to The Grapevine. Uh, my name is Peter Lawrence, and it's my turn this week to interview someone on staff and find out a l- little bit about them. Um, this week, Francois Gallet. Hello, Francois. Hello, Peter. Great to be here. How are you? Um, it's really good having you here. How on earth does a Frenchman end up in Rockhampton? Tell us how that happened. Oh, it's a bit of a long story, which I will well, try. We've got time. We've got time. <laughs> which I will try to uh, to shorten a little bit. So um, um, I think we, you know, we, my wife and I and kids were in France um, a few years ago, and um, we had lived in the UK for about fifteen years. Um, went back to France, lived in the southeast of France for a few years, and. Uh, after uh, a very short period of time, we realized that uh, a bit of excitement was was missing. Of um, about you know life was just a little bit too easy, too comfortable living in our con- our own country. So we decided to um, have a, another experience living overseas, and we didn't particularly want to go back to the UK as we had enjoyed the, the nice weather, and um, so we wanted to go into an English speaking country. A um, country where weather and the environment and the quality of life was great and Australia became our destination of choice um, and uh, had never been in Australia before um, let alone in Rockhampton obviously yeah. and so I did a bit of homework, um, researched um, some nice parts of, of Australia where we thought we would enjoy living, um, settled for Queensland and um, I applied for a job at CQ University and was lucky enough to be selected um, from, you know, while, while still in France. So came came to Rockhampton uh, for this um, wonderful job at this wonderful university. Has it lived up to its what you thought Australia would be like and Queensland would be like? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, you know, never never been to Australia before actually coming to Australia. We, we you know, were not 100% sure what to expect. Um, so... Uh, we we came to Australia, um, you know, being really open about the, the you know the, the experience and and uh, very uh, open to um, you know going back to Europe if it didn't work out. But yeah. it did work; it has worked out yeah. perfectly. And we have been in Australia for uh, for about five years now, and and absolutely loving it. Oh, fantastic! What what did your family and friends and workmates think when you said we're going to Australia? <laughs> I think uh, a share a part of um, some of them were quite happy to get rid of us uh, <laughs> and thought, oh, that's good. We're not going to see them for a few years. That's good. Um, but obviously, yeah, some closest uh, relatives um, and, and friends were um, a little bit sad to see us going because, uh, um, you know, from, from Europe, Australia is really the, the, other, the other end of the world and it's not, a, it's not an easy um, uh, hour or so in the plane as it is in, when we were living in the UK. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, distance definitely has a you know plays a, a bit of, a bit of a big factor in terms of family life and mm-hmm. family relationships. Yeah. But um, you know, as most decisions, it's give and take. Um, so um, yeah, they were. I think they were. Some of them were saddened. Um, some of them were you know say great on you. You know, do it now while you're still relatively young and the kids are relatively young and when it's still possible and and enjoy it um, and some of them were quite surprised you know because definitely um, from France which is obviously my home country 
um, Australia is not really well known. You know, it's um, yeah. because it's the other side of the world because it's a, a different, obviously, language um, spoken. Um, so people don't know a lot about Australia. So there was a bit of kind of curiosity factor as well as the other sentiments that I've mentioned. So the the young Francois, when he was growing up as a kid, was he an adventurous type of person? Is this is this typical of of who you thought you'd be and and what you'd do in life? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I think so. My my dad, you know, if I want to take you into memory lane yeah. for a few for a few minutes, um, my dad was a university professor, and he um, he was a, um, a geographist, geographical uh, geography t- uh, professor, right. and part of his job was always traveling uh, mainly in Asia and in Africa, um, and he actually took our family with four kids um, a couple of times in, in Brazil and in Africa for a few months when I was really young. Um, so the, the, you know, the, the, the concept of living overseas in a different culture, different country, has always been really part of my kind of family's DNA. Um, so when I was you know, younger uh, as a student, I, I did travel a fair bit. Obviously, went to the UK as a as a university student. Um, this is where I met my my lovely wife, um, who is French, but we met in the UK. Yeah. Um, so I think um, it was certainly part of my yeah part of my my youth, and definitely was also part of my wife's youth. So together, it it you know when we are on the same same page it makes these sort of decisions a bit easier as well yeah, so, that, yeah. that explains a lot actually yeah, that's <laughs> but, but your dad took you to brazil do you remember any of that no because i was a one year old oh, so right. yeah, yeah that was a bit, a bit too yeah. young but i remember they took us um in uh, mali in africa uh, when i was i think five or six years old oh. for 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 two or three months and i yeah i have i have some you know very brief images in my in my memory in my mind about this particular trip so, okay. yeah and at school in france what what was that like what was what was your ambitions when you were when you were at school what what did you want to be oh i think i was a typical um you know teenager probably until i until I was something like 12 years old, I think I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Um, and then obviously realized, um, probably a little bit late, <laughs> too late, but I definitely was not gifted enough so, <laughs> to, to, to do that. So um, I wanted to play cricket for Australia, and that was never going to happen. <laughs> here either. we are. So same, I, same side of, same kind of. Could sympathize with <laughs> Um, I think I was, um, you know, brought up in a in a very very supportive, very close tight um, family um, with three brothers and sisters, and and two you know very loving loving parents. Um, so yeah, look, my youth was was great. You know, I was living in a small small village, not too far away from a, a medium sized city. So. Um, this Plenty. is in the north of France. Yeah, in Normandy. Yeah, Normandy. so northwest of France. Yeah, so very very rural uh, part of of France, and yet you know an hour away from Paris on the train. So you know it's kind of best of both worlds, really, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and um, yeah, very you know very outdoor focus to a lot of sports, playing a lot of sports. Um, and uh, lots of friends and. Um, and I probably didn't really know what I wanted to do, you know, to answer your question about what I was thinking of doing as a, yeah. as a job, as a career. And 
I probably had very very little idea. Um, Fran school in in France is um, is is highly theoretical, and there's there's little very few opportunities to do work experiences or you know the concept of having part-time jobs yeah. after school is is non-existent in France so wow. so teenagers and and youth have really little very few opportunities to actually experiment and experience the the, the work environment in okay. any shape or form so yeah. um, school days are long days you know 8 30 to five o'clock um, so when you go home you have typically an hour or so of, of homework and then you're too exhausted to do anything else so <laughs> um, yeah it's it's a it's quite a different yeah, yeah, quite well, yeah, yeah. that's why yeah. that's why so what was your first job when you finished did you go to uni or did what yeah. happened when you finished school? Yeah, so I went to, um, I did a, a business school in France after, um, after so the, uh, the equivalent in France of the, the, the grade 12 uh, is the baccalaureate, um, which kind of completes or, or, or finished the, uh, the secondary uh, education. Uh, after that, I went to a business school for a few years in France, and then I went to the UK, uh, did a master's of marketing in a, in a British university. Okay. Um, and my first job was, typically for a Frenchman, was um, selling something very French, cheese. So I, <laughs> I sold cheese uh, in, for, for a few years uh, as a sales rep for yeah. quite a large cheese manufacturer in France. Right. Um, and I did that for three years. So, yeah. Oh, wow. How did you get involved with, say, um, the university sector, which you're involved with now? Did, did you, were you doing that work in Europe before you came to Australia? Um, not, not really. I mean, university and education, uh, I guess, has um, always been part of my life because of my dad being a university professor and my my wife is a is a teacher so i guess you know university uh, or education sector has already been very uh, integrated to to my life um, my job itself i worked in a french university before coming to australia oh, okay. uh, so but that was my yeah that was my first job as a in the in the oh, university so after sector. selling cheese as a sales rep that's why i ended up working as a fundraiser for different charities uh, for about 10 plus years uh, and that was uh, in the uk uh, for different charities in the UK, as um, working as a fundraiser, and then um, joined a French university for a couple of years, and then came to Australia. Okay, so you uh, applied for a job in Australia, took the big plunge, and brought the family out here. Um, what is the job that you do here at CQ University? So my uh, job title is Deputy Director for Development and Alumni Relations. Um, what it actually means is. Um, um, so the development part is uh, is another word for fundraising. Um, so it's about building the um, the, the, the philanthropy uh, programs across the university, um, building partnerships with um, industries, companies, charitable trusts, and organisations who wish to support the university and our students and our research in different capacity. Uh, raising money from um, philanthropy-minded individuals who wish to support the university. How do um, you ask people for money? Uh, well, first of all, we invite, we provide opportunities for people to, um, you know, to to uh, spare some of their um, some of the, the funds that they may have and provide them with opportunities to support something that is aligned with their passion and their interests. So. 
you know, from a, a process perspective, a lot of, I mean, you, you, you ask for money to an organization in a different way than you ask money or a donation to an individual. So yeah. as an indi- if you approach a, a person, an individual, a lot of the, the initial steps are about finding out what they are passionate about, what they are interested about, what's their background, you know, what sort of difference they are interested in making. And then trying to align some of the university programs or initiatives that we have or that we could develop um, with these interests and finding that kind of synergy. If you are approaching a trust and foundation, as an example, a charitable trust and foundation, which are which do exist to give money away to charities, um, then the process is a little bit different. You know, they, they would have each trust and foundation will have their own set of guidelines and criteria that basically you meet or you don't meet, and and you put forward an application and it's considered and, and either accepted or or rejected. So the, the process is a little bit different um, depending on whether you are seeking uh, support from an individual or from an organization but it's about you know in in both cases it's about finding the the mutual alignment so you know it's about knowing what the university wants to develop and put in place and require funding for um, and aligning these these funding needs with what the funder or the donor interest uh, are. In Australia is it similar to what happens in Europe or is there a different mindset in in this country? Um, as regarding uh, yeah, and not, I would say, but it's it's fairly similar to to the, the British, uh, to the UK's um, kind of culture and environment. It's, it's very very different from other parts of Europe. So, France um, or what's even, it like in France? What, what? Um, well, I mean, if you look at the uh, the the higher education sector, um, donations to universities in France to public universities is legally possible only since 2007 or eight or something like that. So 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, it was actually not possible for mm-hmm. anyone or an organization to make a donation to a, a public university in France. So, so with, you know, in France, universities start from a very fresh and very low level of interest and awareness about fundraising. Yeah. Um, while obviously in, in, in the UK and in Ireland, um, philanthropy for the higher sector and in charities more broadly is you know has been happening for decades and it's just a, a very much more mature uh, stage of, of development so um, yeah I, I'd say that Australia is, is fairly comparable to to the UK um, um, in terms of you know Australians are, are very community-minded very philanthropic um, in their in their way of thinking and their way of supporting their their communities, um, so yeah, I think that is quite quite closely aligned with, with what's happening in the in the UK. Excellent. The alumni that we have, we have such a diverse. I'm assuming we have a really diverse and um, spread out alumni. How difficult is it to really make contact with them in your job? Um, it is uh, relatively straightforward however yet it is very complex um so you know there is there is a you know in terms of how technically difficult it is then you know we can send emails to alumni and you know that's fairly easy to do however the reality is that what we are doing and we have um, over 100,000 alumni around the world so it's 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 you know alumni 
are the largest university court yeah. um, or, or group of, of, of stakeholders who we manage relationships with. Um, and therefore, the way we do it is actually you know, much more complicated and much more complex. So we do, we provide, our job is, um, is probably twofold from an alumni relations perspective, is A, uh, keeping our graduates, the graduates of this university, informed about the latest news, the latest developments, the latest priorities of the universities. So it's a bit of a kind of one-way communication. But more importantly, it's about providing meaningful opportunities for our alumni and graduates to give back to the university. And it could be done and to engage with, with our university. So it, it, it can be done and it is done through multi, you know, m multi ways, through invitation to events, invitation to participate in surveys, um, you know, about courses accreditation as an example, all these sort of things. Um, it's about invitation to participate in um, academic program or courses review, um, academic um, um, committees as well. It's about providing our graduates opportunity to be uh, mentoring current students, um, about influencing what we do as a university, um, um, opening doors on our behalf, and also uh, for the last two or three years, we have also um, started to encourage our alumni to give back uh, to the university through a, through a, a charitable donation. So, um, yeah, we, we manage um, alumni in a very kind of segmented way. We don't bombard our graduates with with um, communications that are not relevant to them. So we spend a lot of time making sure that whatever content and engagement opportunities we put forward to the alumni are meaningful and relevant for for them. So we um, we communicate depending on you know when they graduate, um, which course or, or discip academic discipline they they graduated from. Um, they kind of their age profile and so on. So, because of being a national university, um, we have so many graduations every yes, year. Yes, <laughs> something like twenty-five ceremonies or, or more. It could be even more now. Um, it's, it's it's such a growing area. It must be difficult just to 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 keep getting on track to people. And and it also means that our graduates are, you know. Um, obviously very spread uh, geographically so while perhaps other other universities will have more a bit of a focus on face-to-face -face interaction you know f inviting alumni to events because they are that's where uh, in dedicated uh, cities is where they are ours are really spread fairly thinly um, so we probably provide um, more engagement opportunities uh, than than a lot of other universities Away from work, what what sort of things um, help you de-stress? Because that sounds pr pretty stressful sort of thing to be to be working with all those alumni and development and industry. Um, what sort of things do you get up to? To, to yeah, um, well, I guess um, being a dad of, of three kids is, uh, is is part of the the, the answer. So um, uh, my wife and I have uh, three three teenage teenagers, uh, which has some. Uh, challenges and as well as some wonderful experience at the exper um, experiences at the moment so uh, two boys and a girl um, so um, obviously they, they they keep us busy through um, you know the activities and and the the regular uh, taxi services that we that we <laughs> um, need to provide them with um, so from a kind of sporting um, and, and kind of hobby perspective, I'm um, very heavily involved with the Keppel Bay Setting Club uh, in, in Yipun. Um, I've been 
involved with the club for uh, about three years now as a as, a, as a as a committee member. So and you're the uh, vice commodore, is that correct? That's correct. Yes, yeah, for my for my scenes. Um, <laughs> so uh, that is. So what uh, is it about sailing and the, and the club that you love? Um, when we came to Australia five years ago, and when we were looking at where to live, um, we decided to live on on the coast, on the Capricorn coast. Um, because of the sea, um, being next to the sea, where we, um, which was what we had lived um, in France, and we wanted kind of to have that again, and and really part of the big motivation to go to Yipun was the sailing club, um, because we we wanted to we wanted to um, you know experience the the, the joy of, of of sailing in the ocean. So, um, beautiful thing about this particular club is that we can sail pretty much twelve months um, around the year. Um, they are very lovely people, that, um, and we we have very close friends, um, part of this um, who are members of this club. So this club really played a big part in in um, welcoming us to the Rockhampton Greater Region, mm-hmm. and uh, and um, yeah, look, love being in the outdoors. Um, um, it's. Um, it's a bit of physical activity, but you know it's not highly demanding. At, definitely at, that, at my level of selling, at least, um, providing a lot of opportunities from a training perspective. Um, you know, I've learned a lot of new skills from driving a safety boat to set up courses, selling courses, and these sort of things. Um, also provided you know some great opportunities for further contributing to um, the kind of business side of the selling club, which which is quite a, a big a big part. So yeah, it has has been a great club, a great great spot to be, to be involved with. Yeah, loving it. Now I also know because I've played you in tennis that you're a very good tennis player. Um, how long have you played tennis in your life? Um, probably played tennis since I was a since I was a kid. Um, growing up in a in a fairly small village um you could have been a professional is this right no <laughs> no definitely not <laughs> um you know grow, growing growing up in a small village the uh i guess the entertainment or leisure options were pretty limited and um, there was soccer and there was tennis basically so i ended up doing two two sports um on a fairly uh, regular basis so yeah i started to play tennis when i was a when i was a kid and haven't really stopped until six months ago when I uh, uh, did a bit of a knee injury, which I'm still recovering from. We want to see you back on court. Uh, I will be back on court one one way or the other. Um, I, I definitely won't miss the, the CQ Unique Years tennis tournament that you're kindly organising uh, every year for the last few years. Excellent, excellent. Now, I know you've got another event coming up too. Let's talk about that, the um, the French Film Festival. How many, how many Francois... French film <laughs> aficionados do we have in in central Queensland in in Rockhampton well yeah. actually quite surprising quite a lot so um I'm uh, another organization that I'm involved with as a as a volunteer is the uh, Alliance Française of Rockhampton um so the Alliance Française movement is a is a worldwide movement of um, non-for-profit organizations that do exist to promote um the French language as well as the French culture so um, and we organize the annual French Film Festival in Rockhampton this year marks the 10th anniversary of the French Film Festival and um, to answer your question because you know I haven't really answered your question so far um, there is last year we had I think close to 500 people um, attending 
um, the ninth uh, French film festival. So yeah, there's a there is a market. There is a market. Um, is all there films. wine and cheese on display? Absolutely. Well, I Absolutely. now know that I can talk to you more about cheeses <laughs> at this event. <laughs> what is your favorite cheese, and why? Uh, some I think my favorite cheese would be something quite robust in terms of taste <laughs> and probably smell too. Uh, probably a blue table cheese yeah so wine wise what names what names do these um, Roquefort oh. Roquefort say that again Roquefort <laughs> <laughs> excellent now when is the film festival on because so the I French film festival soon. is coming up very very soon from Friday the 21st to Sunday the 23rd of June uh, at the Walter Reed Cultural Center. Uh, six films will be shown. Um, all films are in French, obviously, but they are subtitled yes. in, in English. Yes. Subtitled. Uh, subtitled. Nice. Yes, yeah. Thank you, for, thank you for the translation. Um, <laughs> very reasonably priced um, from comedy to drama. Um, the program. I love French films, so I'll be there. And sadly, some of our listeners who are not in Rockhampton won't be able to make it. But those that are, come along. It'll be it'll be fabulous. Some of our um, um, some of our listeners may be based in other locations where other Alliance Francaises are um, are based, and, uh, yeah. and yeah, where the, the, the French Film Festival uh, do exist as well. So yeah, very festival every year in Brisbane, uh, Melbourne, Sydney. So. Yeah. It yeah. does not quite match the, the CQ University um, geographical footprint, but it's, uh, it's not far off. Francois, thank you so much for talking with us. It's been, it's been lovely. Thank you. Thank you very much, Peter. Thanks, uh, everyone, for your, uh, for your interest. Thank you. Like this podcast? Don't forget to rate, review and share with your friends.